Watching that slideshow of all the high school students graduating made me think back to my high school days and the very first car I had. Do you remember the first car you had when you were driving in high school? Mine was a 1982 Toyota Corolla. It was two doors. It was white. And it had a thin baby blue stripe down the side. It was amazingly ugly. It was the best car ever. It was the little four-cylinder engine that could, man. I mean, that thing topped out at probably 55 miles an hour. But it was the best car. And I had all these fond memories, right? We'd all cram in and we'd drive down to the beach, just my friends and I. Or sometimes I thought I was like an audio engineer, right? And I'd undo the speakers and try and swap them out with some bigger ones, some louder ones. But as great as that car is, and I think you know this, all good things must come to an end. And so I'm on the freeway, I'm driving to work, and I'm late, so I'm trying to make up for lost time. And I have to let you know that uh, I recently started working, and I saved some money, and I bought the Sony Discman. Yeah, so I slapped some Velcro on the bottom of that boy, hooked it up to the center console, and I bought my favorite CD. It's called Life in General from the band MXPX. I'm living in nostalgia right now. But grabbed the CD, and I put it in. And I was just, oh, man, just smooth sailing. Traffic was really light, especially for California standards. And I'm flying to work. And as we're coming up on this on-ramp, this, uh, there's this work van basically it's full of carpet right and they come out in front of me and we're making good time we're doing all right so i look down at my cd player and i start skipping to my favorite song i hit my favorite song and i look up only to see the worker van swerve to the next lane and all i see in front of me is a wall of red brake lights that's it and sure enough boom i go from 85 to zero miles an hour in an instant and i hit the car in front of me destroy the front of my car her car that i hit hits the front hits the car in front of her and i have totaled my car and we have made a mess on this freeway and i'm able to limp this thing off to the side of the road and you know the deal right you get the police report and you do the insurance thing and you call tow trucks now i gotta let you know my dad is a police officer so speeding is not only against the law it is against my dad's law so i had that dreaded phone call now my dad tells the story of it being just a quick phone call and he says all right cool i'll see you when you get home but my brother, he tells it this way. He says, my brother is down the hallway and he goes, uh, dad, you need to come look at what Steve did as the tow truck is backing up into the driveway, letting my truck back down off of the, off of the, the uh, tow truck and scraping just, just metal and steel on a concrete driveway. It was a beautiful car and that car is completely destroyed. Have you ever been entrusted with something that somebody gave you or loaned you or let you borrow and and you screwed it up and you betrayed their trust? See, it wasn't my car. It was my dad's car that he bought. And let's make no mistake. It was his car. It was not mine. 
and he was paying for it and, and everything. It wasn't mine. But he said, Steve, here are the keys. I, I will give this to you. I will let you use this. You just have to be trustworthy enough. And maybe your story, maybe it's not a car, right? Maybe you didn't destroy a car, but maybe, uh, maybe somebody trusted you with some information. Maybe it was a secret, right? And they wanted you to hold on to that information, but you couldn't help yourselves, right? Like you just, you had to share the secret. You had to share that juicy piece of gossip with a few of your closest friends and word got out and you betrayed that person's trust. Or maybe someone loaned you a CD, right? And you said, Hey, I'll take care of it. I won't get it scratched. And sure enough, you returned it and it was scratched, right? It fell out of your car onto the concrete and it just got all scraped up or maybe the dog got a hold of it. And so when you went to play your favorite song, couldn't do it. It just skipped right through. Maybe it was a brother or a sibling that borrowed a bike uh, or borrowed your bike. And you said, hey, I'll take real good care of it. And then it gets crashed. And you do a Superman over the handlebars. You hit like a rock or something in the road. And you go one way and the bike goes the other way. And sure enough, it's, there's, it's dented. It's scratched. Maybe there's a crack in the frame. See, all of these are stories that I just quickly recalled from my own experience. But I'm willing to bet you've been guilty of it as well. And so during this whole COVID-19 life that we find ourselves in, I've had a lot of time to think, and I believe you have too. And so I, I brought my family from California. We felt God was leading us up here. And so we, we start a new life. We start a new ministry. And everything has slowed way down for us. So I started thinking, okay, I can't go back and do anything over. Right? There's, no, there's no redos. The past is in the past. But moving forward, how do I live this life well so that at the end of it, I'm not looking back on it going, man, I wish I would have done things differently. I wish I would have done more of this. Definitely wish I would have done none of that. So really what we're talking about this morning is the idea of managing our, our lives, managing our lifestyle, managing, I think, the resources that you and I have and the resources that I'm going to argue in a minute that God has blessed us with. And the big church word for this, if you, you have a piece of paper, you got some notes, you can write this down. But the big church word for this, it's the word stewardship. You've probably heard this before. And stewardship... Is simply management. That's a D. You'll tell by the end of this that um, not only did I win a bunch of spelling bees in my lifetime, but I'm also an art major. So you got your stewardship. This is it. This is it. And stewardship really asks the question is how do you manage the resources that you have? And God must have known that this would be an issue for us, right? He included it in the scriptures. And um, it is the very first book and the very first chapter that we're going to find ourselves in this morning. Answering this question, what exactly has God entrusted us with? If we're stewards, if God has given us stewards, what, what are we responsible for stewarding? What do we have to do? And how do we do it well on his behalf? So if you've got a Bible, go to Genesis chapter 1 and we'll pick it up in verse 26. It'll be Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Let me take a drink real quick. All right, excuse me. Are you there? Verse 26. Here we go. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and what is it? Subdue it. Maybe your translation uh, has something along the lines of um, and gave them dominion over it. Here's the next word that's really important. Rule. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you 
every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made and it was what? Not just good. It was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, in your Bibles, flip one page to the right. Genesis chapter 2, if you're on your phone or tablet or whatever, just swipe. Genesis chapter 2, we'll pick it up in verse 7. Same creation story, different account. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now skip down to verse 15. I want you to highlight, underline, circle, smiley face, do whatever you got to do to to mark this up, and then we'll chat about it for a second. Verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So in your notes, number one, you are a steward of all that God has created. So if you're following along, you've got to ask yourself the question, okay, what exactly has God entrusted us with? What are we supposed to do with this whole thing of stewardship? What has he entrusted us to steward? The answer is everything. Everything. God created all of it, and he said, here you go. I'm going to put mankind in charge of this. I've created all of this. You can go ahead and do this. I want you to rule over the animals. I want you to take care of the earth. I want you to work it. I want you to take care of things. I want you to have dominion over things. I want you to rule. Everything that I've created, I want you to steward. And that's a beautiful thing, which also is kind of a scary thing because this really means if God's created everything, we could distill this further and say, you and I own nothing, don't we? If, if everything is God's, then we own nothing. And that's an unsettling thought because you and I, see, we work really hard to get the things that we have, don't we? Our, our possessions, our valuables, our material, whatever you want to call it. But they're not really ours, are they? They're God's. And I know what you're thinking. I can feel it through the camera, through the screen. You're probably sitting there thinking, well, it was me that woke up early in the morning. It was, I had the thoughts that put the business plan in motion. I had the energy. I went and did this thing. I worked. I saved. I was diligent. I got to do what I wanted to do to go and provide for myself, my family, my friends, and so on and so forth. And I, I, on the one hand, yes, absolutely. I agree with you. I get that. You hustled. You were diligent. You worked hard. And you're enjoying the fruits of your labor. That's great. On the flip side, who gave you the ability to wake up in the morning and do that? It's the good Lord. See, you and I, we didn't create the air that we breathe, did we? No, that's God. And the mind that you use to think those thoughts, to come up with the business plan and to execute it, that's not us, that's God. And the bodies that he allowed to wake up to give us energy to go and fuel and carry out those missions, that's not us either, that's God. God created the world, all of creation the birds the animals he created us he gave us the ability to go and do things to achieve the fruits of our labor but it's all god's everything is pointing back to god and so here's the question since nothing belongs to you and nothing belongs to me how generous would you be with something that someone gave you see god took everything in the world and he said hey this is all you i need you to go and steward this how how generous would you be with it 
Let me give you an example. Um, I don't own a boat. Uh, I wish I did. It's probably best that I don't, but I don't own a boat. But if you came to me and said, Steve, I'm going to give you this boat. Just take care of it. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to invite all my friends over and say, we're going on the boat and we're going to hop in and we're going to cruise. I'll throw you in the back in the inner tube and I'll try and whip you all around the lake. And we're just, we're going to have a blast. We'll go fishing. We'll do all sorts of stuff. It'll be amazing. And I'm not going to worry about it. Why? Because it's not mine. I'm just stewarding it. See, if the boat was mine, it'd be a long time before I invited you over. And when you came over, I'd ask that you wipe your feet off, get it real clean. You hop in the boat, no beverages, because I don't want you to spill and make a mess. And, and by the time we're done with the whole trip, I expect you to come with some cash so that you can chip in for the gas money. Because it's, it's my boat. I'm, well, I'm going to hold on to it tightly because it's expensive. I got, a lot of wrap, I got a lot of things wrapped up in it. I worked really, really hard to get there. I tried to steward my money well to get that. See, I stewarded my money to save for it. I didn't steward the actual boat. Also, I don't have season tickets to the Seahawks, but if I did, I'm going to get my money's worth. I'm going to every game. And if you happen, just to work with me for a moment, if you happen to have season tickets to the Seahawks game and you just approached me and said, man, I wish this would happen, but you just approached me and said, I'm not going to make the drive down. I'm not going to see every game. Here you go, Steve. These are now your tickets. Do with them what you will. Steward them. I'm going to go to as many games as I can, and I'm going to invite all my friends to them. And the games I can't go, I'm just going to give those tickets away. I'm just going to go and bless people. I'm going to be incredibly generous with those tickets. Why? Because they're not mine to begin with. But if they were mine, I'm going to go to every game I can. And every game that I can't, I'm going to sell them. I'm going to try and make a profit on it too. If it's a really, really good game, I'm going to try and make some money out of it. That's not me being generous. And I don't know that I'm stirring it well. So we're talking about this idea of stewardship. Everything is the Lord's. And the question is, if everything is the Lord's and we're in charge of it, how, how generous are we going to be with it? What are we going to do with it? Now, this idea of stewardship can go one of two directions. It can go up and it can go down. But number two in your notes, I want you to write this down. A scarcity mindset leads to jealousy and entitlement. So we're going to go here first, right? A scarcity mindset. What does it lead to? Help me out. It goes to, you remember, right? Jealousy. And the other one, envy. Just making sure, oh, entitlement. Just making sure you're doing this. Entitlement. Those are two ugly words. Those are two very, very ugly words. Now, the idea of jealousy is is this. I start looking at what God has given me to steward, and then I look across the street, and I see what God has given you to steward, and then I want what you have. It's ugly. I'm not excited about what you have. I'm not excited that you worked really hard, you were diligent, that you saved, and you did all the right things to get what you wanted, including picking the career that will help you go and achieve those things. But if I look over here, and I look at the choices I made, and then I look at the choices you made, and I start getting jealous about all that, wanting what you have, well, that's not right. That's not me being a good steward with what I have been given. And so I look at you and I I look at your house. I look at the car that you drive. I look at the vacations that you take, the clothes that you wear, and I start drawing conclusions. I go, you shouldn't spend that much money on that. You know what you could be doing with that money instead? You know the amount of people that you could help? Man, if I had that money, if I had those things, I would do and fill in the blank. Now, I'm speaking just this is what I would do, but I'm trusting that you're on the other side of that that screen thinking the same thoughts, right? Because we've all fallen into this trap of jealousy. And it's ugly. 
and nobody wins. And I'm, when I'm jealous, I'm never excited for you. I, I can't celebrate with you. I can't rejoice in what God has given you to steward. I can only look at what he's given me to steward and then I can be disgruntled and dissatisfied. And now I've got an issue with you and now I have an issue with God. It's awful. Listen to what James writes, the brother of Jesus, the half-brother of Jesus. He says this, James chapter 4, verse 2. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you, here's, here's the key, because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Did you catch it? We ask with wrong motives so that when I obtain something, I feel powerful, I feel secure, I feel strong, I feel better than you. And Jesus knows that that's the motive behind the asking. And he says, no, I'm not going to give that to you. That's not healthy for you. It's not healthy for your family or for others that you come in contact with. I'm not going to do that to you. See, the right mindset is to simply look at the people across the street and be excited for them. And this can be difficult to do because if we're not careful, our jealousy it'll start going into entitlement. And listen to the de- definition of entitlement. It's, it's horrible. Believing oneself to be inherently deserving of privileges or special treatment. <laughs> Not only am I now jealous of what you have, entitlement says I deserve what you have. And that might not be the case, right? It might not be the case. You might deserve what you have and I may not deserve what you have. And God has simply said, Steve, I'm going to give you this to steward. I want you to manage these things. And I'm going to give your neighbor, by the way, it's none of your business what I give your neighbor. Your job is to steward your stuff, not your neighbor's. But I'm going to give them that to go and steward. See, these two things right here, this scarcity mindset, you don't think there's enough to go around. So you get jealous of what your neighbor has. And then your jealousy, that's going to turn into entitlement. Because not only are you jealous of it, but you deserve it. And this scarcity mindset is horrible. When we talk about stewardship, and by the way, it's not even our stuff, it's God's. We're talking about stewarding God's stuff, and we get this scarcity mindset. Man, choose your own adventure. Which one of these are you going to hit first? Jealousy or entitlement? It's horrible. It's really, really difficult. So like I said, stewardship goes in one and two directions. The first one is scarcity. The second mindset is abundance. And the abundant mindset leads to peace and generosity. So let's do it real quick. Abundance. Abun. That's a D. You can't read that. Abundance. Leads to what? Help me out. What is it? Peace. I can hear you through the screen. Peace and generosity. Generosity. Now, it leads to peace. You might be thinking, how does that lead to peace? Because there's enough to go around. It's okay. And if we run out, guess what? God's a good God. He's a God of abundance. He can make more of it. I'm reminded of this story. Remember the kid uh, where Jesus feeds the 5,000? It's in John chapter 6. But it's the kid that walks up to Jesus with the G.I. Joe lunchbox. Right? He's got the two fish and the five loaves of bread. You'll talk more about it in your small groups. But it's in John chapter 6. Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee. And he's teaching. He's doing miracles. And, you know, the stuff that Jesus does. Right? And he looks out and he sees this massive crowd. And he turns to his disciples and says... You need to go feed them. And they go, uh, with what? How? What are we going to do? And I don't know the kid's name. I call him Johnny. But Johnny walks up and he goes, I've got this. Opens up the lunchbox, right? The two fish, the five loaves of bread. And Jesus takes that, which is nothing, by the way. It's incredibly small. And feeds over 5,000 people with it. 
See, I, I don't know what you're facing, your financial struggles, your relationship shortcomings. I, I, I don't know what it is. But I know this about Jesus. When we have this abundant mindset and we take what little we have and we place it in his hands, he's able to do abundantly more than you and I could ever imagine. And so our abundance mindset should lead us to peace. Because there's more than enough to go around, isn't there? When I'm generous with what little I have and I help you out, that should bring you peace. And it should also bring me peace as well because I know that someone is looking out for me as well. And when I become generous and you become generous and we're all stewarding really, really well with a generous mindset, when we're stewarding the things that God has given us, it will bring us peace. Now, I want to talk about this generosity thing because it's incredibly important. Anytime you talk about generosity, there's three main things that come up. The first one is time. You and I need to be generous with our time. Now, for those of you that swing the pendulum pretty far in the help category, you type two Enneagram types, um, your tendency is to want to go and help everybody at the expense of yourself. So you go to work and you give and you give and you give. And then on your drive home, you're talking with your friends and you're giving and you're giving and you're giving. And then by the time you come home, you've got nothing left in the tank to give to your family. You got to be careful on this. So here's kind of the order I, I, I prescribe to people. So hopefully you find it helpful. You have to set enough time aside for yourself because you need to refuel. You need to take care of yourself and your family and loved ones is number two. And then from there with the excess time that you have, that needs to be devoted to other people to be generous with our time. We have to be available to one another. So I like to ask it this way. Um, how, how you budget your time is really, it's similar to how you budget your money. How much of your time is spent with Jesus? Not just Sunday morning. Sunday morning counts for sure, but there are other days in the week, right? How much of your time is spent with family? How much of your time is spent on yourself because you need to refuel, recharge? If you're an introvert, right, like you, you need to escape you need to be with, with you and recharge a little bit. How much of your time is spent on others? And you should look at your calendar and divvy it up a little bit. Now, don't get incredibly legalistic with this thing. But as a general rule, are you generous with your time? The second one is your talents. See, God has stewarded. He has given you talents to steward, things to manage. You're great at things that other people are not. And it's beautiful. And when you become generous with your talent, you can help other people. Maybe you take amazing photos and photography is your thing. Maybe you can help some people step up their game so that they can take some amazing photos of their families or friends or loved ones or vacations or whatever it is. Maybe you're great with computers, right? You can go on YouTube and create some tutorial videos on how to work on computers. Maybe when it comes to finances, you're, you're just a wizard. I mean, you're just the guru when it comes to finances. You can help people budget and get a game plan for their finances. Whatever your talent is, maybe it's sports even. You're really good at competing in sports. Maybe you can help coach some people. See, be, be generous with your time. Be generous with your talents. And the last one is treasures. And this is really your finances. It's really your money. Be generous with your money. Do you have a specific plan of generosity? Are you giving to people? Are you being generous? And I choose three categories, but am I giving money to the church? Am I giving to some sort of nonprofit organization that I like and I support? And am I giving to individuals? See, if I, if I want to be a good steward and have this abundant mindset, I, I need to practice generosity. And it needs to be intentional when it comes to my finances as well. So the question this morning for all of us to answer is, is simply this. How are you stewarding the resources God has given you? Do you have the scarcity mindset? 
and you have to hold on to it because, oh man, if this goes, you might not get another one. Or do you have an abundance mindset that's going to bring you and others peace? It's going to bring them peace because you're being generous because you're helping other people. And your homework assignment this week is to pick one of those three categories. It could be your time, it could be your talent, or your treasures. And look at your calendar this week and be specific and say, this week, Tuesday afternoon, I'm choosing to be generous with, and then fill in the blank. Because here's what I know about generosity. When I start giving and you start giving and we all start sharing and we're all generous people, there's enough to go around for everybody. And I get blessed in the giving and the generosity and you get blessed in the receiving and this whole thing works and it's beautiful. And friends, there is no better time than when we're all sitting at home during COVID-19. Some of us are terrified about our businesses and our income. Some of you, you're doing fine. In fact, your business is thriving right now. Maybe there's a way for you to be generous with those people. See, COVID-19 has given us a wonderful opportunity to go and spread the love around, to steward well what God has given us. And my hope and my prayer is that the people of North County would lead the way in Linden. That we would never look at our possessions and we would never hoard, hoard them, but we would look at each other and we would say, hey, what I have, there's enough to go around. I can help because the need is great. And so that's the prayer this week. What are you going to do with what God has given you? And I look at our church community and the need is great within the walls of the church. And outside the walls, the needs, I would say, are even greater. And when we start doing this and it starts here at the church and it spreads throughout Linden and the North County into Washington, all of a sudden the world begins to look at the people of God and they take note. And they say, man, if we could adopt their mindset, if we could know their savior, we might be able to bring about peace during a chaotic time and so that's the prayer would you bow your head would you close your eyes would you pray with me lord we ask for your help in this endeavor holy spirit would you move inside of us would you give us faces would you give us names of people would you give us divine appointments with people this week lord where we can practice generosity father we thank you for the goodness that you have shown us the resources that you have given to us And maybe right now is a good time for all of us just symbolically to open our hands. It's the things we've been holding on really, really tight to. We're just tightly, tightly holding on these things. Maybe maybe this morning we, we open them and release them and we say, God, this is in fact yours. It is not mine. Help me to be generous with this. And Lord, I do. I pray that lives would be changed because we notice the needs of those in our community. Take our gifts, the small things that we have, like you did with the kid with the G.I. Joe lunchbox. God, we, we, we take the small things that you've entrusted us. We give them to your hands and we ask that you would multiply them and that people would be blessed. Simply because your people stewarded well the resources that you gave us. And as a church, sitting at home, watching on TV, on your phones, people in Washington, outside of Washington, online, as a church, in love with Jesus Christ. We pray this in his powerful name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, don't leave. Stick around. We got one more song.